With nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azale comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azale. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azale, and we have a special guest for you. Aww. Now, you may not be listening to this because I haven't mentioned it at all, but this is actually the season finale of From the Ashes. <laughs> We're at the finale of season one, and because of listeners like you, we've been renewed for a whole year. It's going to be broken down into four seasons. And every finale, we're going to have a special guest. We might have a panel. We might have a call. We might have a Q&A. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, send us an email to podcast at mark-asley.com. But today, we have Sarah Hertzberg, the most anticipated from the Ashes guest ever. Now, you may have, if you've been listening for a while, you may have heard her on one of our past podcasts with Jordan Bellman on the imposter syndrome. She came in, she called, she trolled us all. Now she gets her own hour. Sarah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. What an introduction. Yeah. Well, I first met you, similar with Jordan, in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I knew it clicked when, you know, when everyone was hungover, everyone was sleeping, and you're just like dancing and twerking and screaming on the bus <laughs> and just like bringing in the noise. And, you know, for me being sober, I was like, this is someone that's got it. This is someone that is an unstoppable machine. Mark, I and think I feel that like was, it was just you history twerking, after that. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you were teaching me a couple pointers. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to mix it up, I know. Yeah. So you've had a hell of a life, you know, and I feel like <laughs> I'm just starting to get to know it. You know, we've been mm -hmm. friends for a few years now, mm -hmm. and every time a story comes up, I'm always like, damn. You're like, really? Right. <laughs> really? Like, you did, you did that too? Yeah. And, uh, you know, here on this podcast, right, we talk about the From the Ashes story, this idea of when you had a failure, you got kicked in the teeth, and you came back stronger. Mm. So what's one of the stories you'd like to share with the audience here? Well, the story that first um, got brought up for me when I was thinking about coming on this podcast was, um, and you like to make fun of me about this, but I did a perform, I, I worked as a performance artist for a long time. And um, uh, near the end of my career, I lived in New York and I lived in Berlin and I was traveling around and um, performing, you know, sort of everywhere. Uh, back alleys, as you've said, Cat's Deli had this pop-up shop in New York. I performed at Cat's Deli, this crazy piece where someone was getting fed like a bunch of corned beef and pickles. And, yeah, it was. It was. Can I sign up for that? Incredible. I. I mean, you Can missed it by guy? like six years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> My dream. I know, but you would never want to eat corned beef hash again. Let me tell you that much. But um, so I was like, you know, doing this work and I've kind of reached a, a feeling of wanting to move on, wanting to move forward, um, a kind of like feeling of this community being really small um, and insular and incestuous and sort of everyone was kind of just stroking each other's egos and paying each other to go to their performances so that they'd go to their performances the next week. And, um, you know, I also am like not great at being part of like I'm like always one foot in and one foot out to like every community that I belong to. And so I was just like ready to be one foot into a different community. So anyways, I, um, 
was making a piece called uh, Naked Serenade. And that's the part that you like to make fun of me about. It's a good title. It's so Serenation. good. It was so good. Titles, titles are definitely one of my strong suits. Let me just tell you that much. But um, Naked Serenade was uh, a daily like video project where I filmed myself naked singing a song, like a song that gave me comfort. And, you know, the sort of tagline from me was like, uh, you know, nudity is this place of extreme vulnerability for, for most people. For me, less so. Um, and for me, singing is when I feel the most vulnerable. Um, and, you know, I mean, I have now processed through so much of this, like, trauma around that and thinking about that as, like, you know, my field in psychology and, and working through this sort of stuff in therapy. But at that time, I was like, this is this really vulnerable place, and I'm going to, like you know, share this, this thing with the world. So I did a daily uh, video that I posted to YouTube every day of the month of January, 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, g- you know, gained a following, quite a following and crazy comments, like really, really dumb ones. Like this girl need put clothes on, you know, like, stuff, like <laughs> spelled terribly wrong and other stuff that was really inspirational. Like, you know, like this is, has changed my life and like, wow, like, you know, I've, you're so brave and whatever. Like I feel so inspired to blah, blah, whatever. Um, and, um, yeah. So just was like picking up followers and growing, you know, these comments and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the month, I, um, changed the handle. Like you have to have a YouTube channel for 30 days to in order to change it from like a bunch of weird letters and numbers into you know whatever backslash youtube.com backslash your thing so i changed it and i was so excited youtube.com backslash naked serenade and immediately it got taken down and it was flagged not just flagged but it was like this is gone like just fuck deleted you. just like ban hammer from yes. the sky yeah right and you like go to the page and it's like this what this like has been taken down by like extreme violations of you know sexual content and it was like i mean i was careful like i you there's not even a nipple there's a cup there's a nipple or two but like you know it's like it was pretty tame pretty good. like yeah it was pretty good and i mean at that time especially like you could flag something as explicit and they the rules then were like if it's artistic and not graphic sexually um and it's for an artistic purpose you can show nudity um and so anyway, so I, you know, fought them as much as I possibly could and tried as hard as I could. But YouTube was like, basically, you're done. Fuck you. And so, you know, to not despair, I immediately put everything on Vimeo. I made a whole Vimeo platform for it, Naked Serenade, Vimeo.com backslash Naked Serenade. And Vimeo is, has always been a lot more elegant for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just threw everything on, on Vimeo and was like, this is fine. I'll just do this. And the difference and the reason that I had it on YouTube in the first place was because of the traffic, at least at that time, YouTube was a really big platform and it had a lot of traffic, um, in a way that Vimeo doesn't. Vimeo doesn't really promote in the same way. Vimeo doesn't, you know, I guess they do like suggested next video, but it's just not the same kind of a, um, network and and also it's like so and the whole point for me of moving from this insular performance art scene in Berlin you know in New York and Europe and um 
was to share something a little avant-garde, a little performance already, a little different with an audience and especially with a YouTube audience that was looking for porn, like that was looking for naked women. And they found some chick singing a song really sweetly and vulnerably in the nude. And they were like, what the fuck is this? You know? And so that was like, the whole purpose was to, was to put it out to a bigger audience. And so having to, to rein it in into a Vimeo audience already was also like, okay, well, this is, um, you know, this is my arts crowd again, you know, maybe a little broader, but still here it is. So I threw it up on Vimeo, whatever. It was fine. I was happy. It got a little following there again. And, um, and it was nice to just like have it. And I kind of moved on, did a lot of other stuff. Um, and then last year, Vimeo changed their, their TOS. And I had had some videos behind the private thing that were like on Patreon and blah, blah, blah. But essentially because I was like linking to this Vimeo account, even though they were private from a pay site, they had changed their TOS so that essentially you can't terms of service in case anybody doesn't know what that means. Um, so that you couldn't link from a pay site to Vimeo, blah, blah, whatever. And they took it down again. They took it down for, you know, for the first time. And it was like, after having been up there for three years, right in the middle of the pandemic too, it was like, you're done, like canceled, like, whoa. And it was funny because I hadn't really like, you know, felt so. And I've had Instagram accounts deleted and I've had, you know, other stuff taken down. The art that I make is definitely edgy. It's definitely, you know, um, working in a field with nudity and around a relationship with sexuality and a relationship with the body um, that is scary and uncomfortable for, um, you know, this puritanical uh, world that we live in, mainstream. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Like what, in your opinion, makes it so scary and uncomfortable? Like why is it just struck down with lightning? What's the threat there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I want to like give the basic, the most basic answer, which is like the female body and like female sexuality is like terrifying in in uh, this this land and culture. But I think it's more than that, <clears throat> and I think that's sort of a simplified um, explanation. Um, I think what they would say is that like they, the platform, is that like you know, we want this to be family friendly and like, they don't want to deal with lawsuits. They don't want to deal with anything that might look like pornography. Um, I know like um, Tumblr took down all of their stuff because of child trafficking. So it's like, there is this real dark world that exists and the art that I make is edgy and is asking questions about that and, and looking at, you know, some sort of relationship with, with, you know, this darkness, but in an incredibly, I think, positive and also very like open way where it's like, what is all this fear? And what, what are you so afraid of? Um, and I, I mean, you know, every, every great artist has been censored, um, because they're asking questions that 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 people don't want to have to ask and and pulling back the wall um of these inconsistencies in society that that people don't want to look at 
and it is what pushes things forward. Um, but it's not fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is what I like about the art. I mean, the, the small amount of the, of the art that I've seen is that it does seem to question, you know, society. And I think there's also this, like that you've talked about, there's this personal piece that you have, right. Where this, all your art pieces are also your own emotional processing, right. right? Done on the stage, right. Done through movement, mm -hmm. done through performance. Um, I think it's really admirable to, you know, make that process so public. Yeah. And like you said, hopefully, I mean, you can let me know, but I'd, I'd imagine the intention is that somebody watches that and is like, oh my God, like, that's how I feel. Yeah. Or, oh my God, like, I know someone who's been there or, yeah. or I really get that. And here is this woman who is, you know, putting it into a digestible format in a format that is evoking an emotion in me and helping yeah. me move through, you know, my own unique version of, of this challenge. Yeah, for sure. I think that like, all of that, I think that's one aspect of it that really entices me. Um, but also, you know, the the guy that gets on and misspells, you know, get that girl a shirt, like that also entices me too, you know, and um, inspires me to keep going. Um, and yeah, I think, so like moving f into the work that I'm doing now, and now I'm in, uh, grad school to do what you do to be a psychotherapist um it's like all of the work that i was doing all of my artistic practice all of my you know 20s were spent like in service to trying to translate and deepen my knowledge of myself of my body of my history of my you know present moment, but also my future and my past. And, and within that to, to deepen and understand like humanity and other people and, and connect and connect and connect. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I see like the, this work that I'm, you know, doing now or sort of this, this field that I'm moving into as like such a like outcry from that or such a like, um, next step, you know, in, in the, um, in the process. And I think that this idea or sort of like what you're getting at to me is this kind of like way of connecting and, and sort of helping or, or working with people, um, that, that psychotherapy is more like fine tuned to do. And the work that I was doing was like very much like me, excuse me, um, going through my own processing, you know, and it was like me on a stage bleeding my heart out, you know, night after night and telling people like, wow, whatever, like really going into that place myself. And it was exhausting and it was, um, you know, painful and, and hard and really important, really beautiful. Um, but also, um, But finding the the nugget and the kernel in that of of what I really want to be doing, or I mean, whatever, what I feel like I was doing was translating what I saw in the world into a different medium, which was you know through my emotions, through my living my life into art, right onto the stage. And now this sort of 
deeper piece or this potential to connect, you know, one-on-one -on -one or, or, I mean, I'd like to do group workshops or work with couples, but is, is just even deeper and even deeper and even deeper. Um, and yeah, I had a meditation teacher once who was like, I was talking, I met him, I met them like 10 years ago and, you know, I was a fresh little 20 year old and I was like, um, in Hawaii and I was like, I was like, when I, I had one more year of college and I was like, when I graduate, I'm going to go, um, travel the world. Like, this is what I want to do. And he was like, you know, I had that idea too when I was that age. And he was like, what I realized that was that instead of going and traveling the world and going like this deep, you know, just a little bit deep, I could sit right here and meditate and go like, whoa, this deep, really, really deep. You would and say that. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. I mean, and he's not wrong and yeah, I did travel yeah. the world, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they're still my teachers now, which is great. I love them. I think that's something that we should talk about in the next segment because, you know, in our industry, industry that you're coming into too, right? The word deep gets thrown out a lot, mm. right? And connection gets thrown out a lot. Mm. But I'd be so curious to talk. Um, and still, like, what do we actually mean by that? You know, like, because I think it can be a blanket statement, but what does it mean to actually know somebody deeply or actually have like a deep emotional experience or to actually truly be intimate with another? Mm. It sounds like that's something that you've explored, um, you know, again, through your art and looking to explore through, you know, this practice of, of psychotherapy. So mm -hmm. if you're listening, uh, stay tuned uh, for their commercial break. Uh, if you're enjoying what we're, what you're listening to, uh, be sure to send us an email, like us, you know, share us on social media, do all the stuff. Um, thanks to the support out there. We are renewed for a whole year. So from the ashes is not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to have a lot more fun guests and a couple of repeats too. So thank you all for tuning in. And I'll catch you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Thank you.
Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, sitting across from Sarah Hertzberg, talking about... Metaphorically. Yeah, I mean, like in the digital states. realm, <laughs> wouldn't be a podcast if you're just not like nagging me immediately. Thank you. <laughs> it really, it really feels like home. <laughs> anyway, we were going to talk about deep connection. We're talking about sex and sexuality. We're talking about you know the idea of decoupling nudity from sexuality and what mm. that what that means. Um, and also, you getting banned by uh, the man. <laughs> yeah. So we covered a lot Not of things. The man. Fuck the man, you know, fuck the feds. Um, don't try it on me, am I right? Mm. But what I want to say is, Sarah, <laughs> yes? as a deep individual, what would you say depth means to you? Either with yourself or with another? Well, I told you I was going to try and make a sex joke out of this, but I think just saying that is enough. Um, I, I mean, I kind of want to hand it over to you. Mark, as a deep individual, <laughs> yes. what does knowing yourself mean to you? To me, and I think it's a big part of my recovery journey, it means just being present, mm. right? So in recovery, you have this idea of like a higher power, whatever, right? My higher power, never the God thing never worked for me, but what did work for me was uh, Buddhism and being present for whatever happens, right? whether it be good or bad, painful, confusing, joyous, just mm. trying to consistently root myself in the present moment and to take in life. Yeah. And that's true for me. I mean, it's aspirational. I mean, I don't do it all the time, but for the most part, aspirationally, both externally and internally. Mm. And I think it means something I try to bring to my clients is this idea of having the courage to look at yourself in the mirror and accept what you see. And that's yeah. so hard. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. And the hard part for me has been accepting where I have a fear of something, you know, or when I feel like I don't know what I'm doing or when I have a, a disturbing thought, maybe I feel like jealous or like sadistic, like I want to hurt somebody, mm. right? Or I feel insecure or I feel weak or I feel like petty, like all those things that I think, you know, I always like to trash the therapy industry, but, but I think that ther <laughs> therapists in general, we like to think we're better than everybody. I've, really trying to hold that. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just more aware of how flawed I, I actually am. Right. 
you know, and try to talk about that openly yeah. and be like, no, this is what I'm at. Like, I'm not trying to be like a perfect paragon. I'm never going to get it all right. right. Like there are some things that I'm not able to do. And these are, these are hard for me. I mean, you and I have talked about using, um, you know, grandiosity as a defense, mm-hmm. right? Which I think, mm-hmm. you know, I can fall into. I don't think I'm disclosing too much to say that you can fall into that. Right, 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 right. So part of my, you know, depth practice or my spiritual practice is just like, you know, it's fun to joke around and I like joking around it with you. But then like coming back and being like, no, this actually, I'm like really afraid right now, yeah. right? right? Or like, I- I'm not taking the higher road right now. Right. Like this right. is where I'm at. Right. Um, and having compassion for that and having understanding for that And most importantly, not lying to myself about that because it's so easy to lie to ourselves about who we are and who we think we are and who we think other people are and who we think the world is, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Buddhism would call that delusion. And I I love that word because it is like, it's a strong word, but I think it's true. It's like living in delusion, like living in a fake world that if the delusion gets too strong, it, it bites you in the ass, right? Like at some point you're interacting with a world that isn't real. Right. And you get punished for that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about like, so I just, I told you earlier that I had like this massive night of dreaming last night and it was just like, I would wake up and flip over and just like go back into it. And it was like all over the map, like really like a lot, a lot, lot going on there, including being on this podcast, um, which I already did last night. So I don't have to actually be here right now. Already nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Already did it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, um, but what I was thinking about, I, I don't know if this was in the dream that I was thinking this or this was in for real life that I was thinking this, but um, we have these emotional states that are like really easy for us to go into and to name. Um, I think all of us, you know, some of us are more aware of our emotions and some of us are less, but if you're even somewhat aware of your emotions, you can kind of name a few and you can probably you go consistently into a few. And I was thinking like, you know, the ones that I find really easy for me are anger, right? Um, and um, for other people, it would be like sadness, you know, like a depressive state. Um, for me, like anxiety or like sort of this, just like tension, a feeling of like stress about the future. Um, but but I was also reflecting, I was like another state that I that I go into incredibly easily and well and can notice is joy and pleasure. And, and that's something that I, that I have seeked, seeked, sought, sought, uh, you know, obsessively and addictively, but also in this present open state, like it's something that I also really readily accept and flow through and, and within and into. Um, and to me, so, you know, going back to that question of depth, it's like, part of recognizing, part of going deep and, and understanding yourself is like being aware of what emotions are coming up and flowing through you, not being attached to any of them and not really chasing any of them. Um, and I think accepting and allowing yourself to go into states that are not so comfortable and familiar is, is part of this process and practice. Um, and, you know, I remember you just said this the other day. You were like, my brain will do anything while I'm meditating, anything, crazy things to get me out of that state, you know, to, to get me to, to try and whatever, not be present. Um, the speaker in my class the other day was talking about a study, which I looked up um, 
that essentially was saying, you know, a huge swath of the participants would rather give themselves an electric shock for 10 seconds than sit alone quietly in a room for 10 minutes. And I was like, I, you know, everyone in the class was like, wow, oh, wow, that's so crazy. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I was like, I, yeah. right? Yeah. I was like, okay, but is the electric shock cool? You know, like, <laughs> is it right? And like, and, you know, as, as addicts, like, that is something that absolutely you can understand. It's like, I don't want, like, I don't want to feel this, but I definitely don't want to feel that, you know, and I know the consequences of this and they suck and they're, you know, repeatable and I can feel this way and I can see this pattern, but I really don't want to feel, you know, this way. So I'm going to take this choice instead and, you know, hope for a different outcome or just be like, you know, I, I this is a place that I understand. And what you're talking about, I think, is stepping off of that um, escalator, you know, and, and. It's, you can't just stand still on the escalator because it's still going forwards. It's like the race thing, but you have to actively like walk back against the escalator. You know, you have to actively like walk up those stairs to to get away from it and um, to really go into that deep place. And yeah. at the same time, it is about sitting there. It is about quieting and it is about being still. And so it's like the action and the forcing and the pushing also is counterintuitive and counterindicated. I think it's a really, we talked before about your art asking uncomfortable questions. I think meditation asks a really uncomfortable question, right? Which is like, who are you with no frame of reference? Like with no reference points, with no markers. And I know you you and I've talked about this, that this is something that you're leaning into is this idea of like, who are you without other people to ping off of? right? Who are you without like media to occupy your brain, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you without like this sense of identity of like having a hobby or whatever. Right. And the answer, right, is like nothing, right? The the answer isn't like, oh, here's like my list of who I am, even though I have that because I'm highly neurotic. But it's like, you know, (laughs) the answer is like you dissolve, or at least I can say I like I dissolve without that. Because it is very scary, I think, for the human to be alone. Um, and we want to cling on to a sense of identity and the mind will, will spit out like, Hey, remember this memory? Right. Hey, here's something you want to think about. Oh, Hey, you want to like go back and like have a fake conversation with this invisible person, like right. anything to like avoid that kind of dissolution process, mm-hmm. which happens. And, and if you take that to the next step of like, Oh, that's like the base state, like the base state is emptiness and openness. That's a lot of uncomfortable questions of like, who are we? Right. Like, do we have anything? And I think it's a very scary place to be, um, to have that real lack lack of ego. But it's interesting because, like, at the same time, I think people, like, chase that dis- dissociation or this, you know, disillusionment of the self or this kind of, like, ego death in some ways. But, you know, there's there's the dark side of it or the, you know, kind of, like, left-hand path of it or whatever where it's, like, that that I think people without the meditation, without the sort of sitting still, like people are constantly chasing that space and that state. Um, I like, like love and hate that like ketamine became this huge thing in like the mid aughts, you know, in, in the London club scene. And I'm just thinking about like, if I did ketamine when I was like 14 years old and was just like fucking dissociating like left and right and like the underground clubs in London, like, whoa, what kind of like, 
what kind of culture and society? I mean, I was doing my own, you know, ruckus drugs and stuff, but it was like MDMA and it was connectative and it was deepening the pleasure and, you know, rolling around and making out with people, but fucking like getting tripped out on cat, like is so interesting. And it is a dissociative, like it is that space. Right. So, and, and again, that's like the, the dark side, that's the, the left-hand path. And what you're talking about, the meditation and the, it's like, it's so hard, you know, it's like so difficult to just sit there and do nothing. And yet, and the spaces that you enter, of course, are very different. But yeah, I think like in, in the psychedelic world, I think with the structural support, um, like of a psychotherapist or of, you know, a ritual and a path or like an intention or whatever, I mean, a lot of things that, that you can reach certain spaces of higher consciousness in a lot easier of a way for a Western person. Yes. I mean, I, I think, look, I mean, we've talked about this off the air. I'll talk about on the air. I have an extensive history with psychedelics. I mm. haven't done them in a very long time. as part of my recovery process. I don't think I would be where I was today without that flash, without knowing that there's something different. Right. But for me, and I'd be curious what it's like for you, but for me, it was totally like, it's a different space for sure. And the, for me, the intention was different. For me, the intention to go to egolessness or to go to dissociation was aggression. It was like, I don't want to be sober or like, I want to go after something, right? It was either like destruction or possession, right? Whereas through meditation or just living a sober life or just whatever, you know, having deep conversations with somebody mm -hmm. um, doesn't have to be all meditation, right? You can get present through like literally anything like exercise. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's an unfolding and releasing process. Like it's not, it's like, it's very relaxed station based. It's very like unfolding versus like a grasping or a, a crushing. Um, and this is what it was like for me. You know, I like, I would take acid to get some insight, which is, you know, has an intention, or I would take acid to just like hard reset my brain, uh, yeah. you know, or I would dissociate in order to not feel or not be present to what was actually happening just to kind of like hard shift myself into a different way of being. And I think as a side effect, I got some good messages from that, right. but at least the way that I was using it. And I never did a ritual. I never did like a shaman. I never did anything that was like held at all. Right. It was just like stuff I bought and used in my basement. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, to me, to me, it is, it is different. Like, because in the sober experience or in the flow experience, maybe it's a better word for it. I don't think, you know, um, it's like, it's actually full. It's like bountiful. Like there's actually so much going on right. if you pay attention to it. And if you are able to be present, you can lose yourself in the moment. And that's such a beautiful thing. It's such like a beautiful moment of merger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for, for me and my perspective, like, I don't think that they're dissonant from one another. Like, I don't think that they can't go hand in hand. And, and I understand where you're coming from. Like, your life was in peril and you were, you know, living something that like wasn't filling you and it wasn't something that you could do anymore. And I get that. Um, and I think that like, there are other folks who like, who can incorporate in these practices together. Um, 
I think having a mindfulness practice, like, yeah, I think meditation specifically, or, you know, Buddhist meditation might not work for everybody, whatever that means for them. But like, um, having some sort of a mindful practice, like being able to like, look at something in your space when you're feeling stressed out and be like, wow, this is beautiful. Or just like taking a deep breath or like, you know, recognizing again, like naming your emotional experience and, and understanding your, you know, your present moment and your, your response to it, um, is so, is so key. And at the same time, yeah, I think like you can use substances of all kinds or, you know, sex and sexuality. Like this is another thing like that I'm incredibly interested in is like, you can use something to run away or you can use something like, you know, the sex or drugs or whatever to connect and to deepen or food, you know, or conversation even, you know, you can, you can relationships, whatever it is, like you can find ways to fucking exercise. I mean, that's what you mentioned earlier. And like people absolutely dissociate through jogging. Like people are, you know, heavily addicted to um, the endorphins that they feel. And all that is to say, like, like, again, there's these sort of there's these ways of um, like utilizing what's what's around us to deepen our connection. There's that word again, depth and connection. And, you know, there's ways to use uh, substances and what's around us to dissociate and disconnect. And I think we're taught that one is good and one is bad, but what you're presenting, I think, is like, the sort of paradox of change thing where it's like, you know, the more that you are trying to change your scenario and change your brain and change the way that you feel and think about things, the more impossible it is to do that. And the fact is like, whatever space you're in, if you can have like metacognition about it, if you can think about how and why you're doing the things that you're doing, that's already doing it. Yeah. I I think that's the key part right? Like just what you're saying of using it to tap more into your experience rather than to hard shift it and move away. You know, the part that I would add is that for those of you that want a mindfulness practice or want to practice, you know, try sobriety or or whatever, it's like, it's also really freaking boring. Like there is, there's this idea of like getting in touch with the mundane and being okay with not in a static experience or not a peak experience. Mm that I think, you know, going full pleasure or full hedonism uh, misses that point, right? Because, like, most of life is, like, pretty just rote, right? I mean, it's beautiful in its own way, but it's not, like, you know, blasting your neurons with ecstasy. Um, (laughs) So we'll keep talking about this. We'll keep threading on this in our next commercial break. Um, If you like what you're hearing, shoot us a podcast. uh, Shoot us a podcast. Shoot us an email at uh, podcast at mark-azulay.com. I'd love to hear any feedback. If you want to have Sarah back on the show, uh, let us know. Anything you send uh, over to that, I'll send directly to her if you have any questions or want to get in touch with her. Um, So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the other end of the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com and check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. We were talking about psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. We're talking about human sexuality and talking about, you know, deepening um, into the moment and, and learning more about what it's like to, to be human, right, to be on, on mm-hmm. this world. Uh, I was associating, Sarah, uh, last time we hung out, you know, last weekend when I was in San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, I shared a story about MDMA use, and I think that might be helpful for the um, listeners to hear. This idea of, I mean, you might have been too far gone by that point. <laughs> but, um, Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, man. Um, no, so what I talked about with you is that I was very shy and shut down for most of my childhood, for almost all of my childhood. Hmm. Uh, you know, couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't look people in the eye, couldn't like buy something from a store. Like always felt like really overweight, felt ugly. Hmm. I felt like... Uh, the word I would use, I use in therapy was like mutant. Like I felt like inhuman. I felt like wretched, like all the time. 
mm-hmm. right? To the point of just like living in shame and didn't want anyone to see me, you know, like wore large shirts to the beach, right? Didn't want to be in public, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for me, overcoming that, uh, what actually helped that was MDMA, was taking that, going to shows uh, and dancing. And uh, I told you about someone like the Pittsburgh rave scene where people would wear masks, yeah. people would wear like large kind of baggy clothes. It was a mix between like raver and hip hop scene. Um, and there was this idea where you could just dance anonymously. And most people I'm sure were on something. I mean, I, I certainly was. But this idea of like allowing myself to feel something in private and start to like move and start to like actually feel my body and feel proud of it or feel like grounded in it or feel like rooted in it. Like actually like literally feeling my legs and arms, which I think I had dissociated from my entire life. Um, You know, I, I, growing up, I played a lot of video games, read a lot of books. I was always in my head. Like the body was always just like an impediment, Mm. right. To to do what I wanted to do, which was being, you know, a brain, a brainy boy. Um, But I think you know, based on, you know, my childhood trauma. And I think I needed MDM. I don't think I could have done it another way. Like I, I needed that to break through because it does create this feeling of connection and more importantly, feeling of safety yeah. that allowed me to do some of that deeper exploration. Yeah. Um, and when I got sober, I, I, I didn't want to give that up, right? I, I didn't want to give up being able to dance. I didn't want to give up feeling confident in my body. I didn't want to give up feeling um, grounded in the world. And there was a, there was a whiplash effect, but yeah. You know, I think I, th- I think I'm good now. I'm really good at talking to random people, but you know, <laughs> and dancing and dancing. We um, to dance. Yeah, but but what, all, all I'm saying is, is I think that there is a place for these kind of breakthrough experiences, um, because it can present like a different world, right? It can be like, whoa, like this thing that I thought was like just me right. is actually not true. Yeah, like stuff that I took for granted can actually be completely shattered, and that was a very powerful moment for me. Well, I think, I mean, you were talking in the last, uh, before the break about, um, about taking psychedelics to, you were like, I I didn't have an intention or, you know, my intention was to like totally reset my brain consciousness or to like workshop something, you know, and process through something or see it from a different angle. And to me, like, wow, what an incredibly like potent substance to like be able to assist you in that way. And um, help you move through something or, or re-address something. Um, I, I know, like, I really had the idea of, like, officially doing this podcast that I'm going to do um, when I was on acid of just, like, there is this incredible connective experience that, like, um, you know, I, I want to share and be a part of. And, like, it's okay to put yourself out there and it's okay to, you know, move your body and dance and etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think that like as unexperienced or as a tool for example i think that there's a, a great deal of potential and that's what they're doing i mean in you know this incredibly like western and scientific you know way like maps for example and and other um organizations are doing clinical trials with mdma and um ketamine and, you know, working, looking at PTSD, um, and, uh, you know, suicidality and depression. And yeah, there is like so much there. There is so much, 
um, potential and, and, um, and I don't think that, that it has to be one, one or the other. And I think for you, like what I understand about your addiction and like my, you know, relationship with addiction is somewhat different, but you were in the space that like, also, I hope this isn't calling out anything, but you were in the space where it was life and death and you had to make a choice. Oh, that was absolutely. Like, totally. Right. Right. And it wasn't the MDMA. I mean, I know that like that was your last. No, there was, there was other things involved. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, and I think about sometimes you're you telling me the story of your last experience on MDMA and you were like, I just decided it was going to be the last one. And and, you know, and it sucked like it was shitty. And like, you know, this thing didn't come through and blah, 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 whatever. But like, yeah, like I think that. For some people, you must throw out the baby with the bathwater and you can't have the good of both, you know? You can't live this life without that. But um, but for uh, other people, you, you know, you can, you can actually consciously utilize substances. Um, and I think that the consciously part of it is incredibly important. And that doesn't necessarily like, I know this is like going away from kind of uh, my whole industry in certain ways, but I don't think that necessarily means like with a therapist at a center, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who like don't have access to that or there have been shamans, for example, like serving medicine for ever and ever and um it doesn't have to look like one thing or another um and i and i do honestly think like you know taking acid in a conscious way like in the woods or with you know your lover or whatever and having like an erotic experience that's like out of this world that's really you know vital and um life-changing or whatever it is um is is powerful and important um, and that's actually something I'm, I'm going to do a workshop, um, with this Berlin based, um, uh, sex positive website on, um, creating like a ritual space to do like erotic work in a psychedelic space. Um, and that's something I'm really interested in. And it's like combining together a lot of different forces and energies and a lot of potential for, um, for, for a lot of things, you know, good and bad, or it's very um, qualify but... Well, yeah. let, let me ask you that. What do you hope that people would take from an experience like that? Like what you're talking about, about, you know, dancing, and you were wearing this mask, I remember that it was like faceless, basically. It just had eye holes. And this experience of, um, of like, of, of being embodied, of, of connecting with another person, connecting with yourself, um, of, yeah, like shifting your mindset, but also like really being completely fully in your present moment and somatic experience in a way, um, for an extended period of time, uh, is, is deepening and connectative and incredibly powerful. And I think that, yeah, you can, you can go into a place within yourself, within the world, within the greater sort of spiritual context and interpersonally with, with your partner. Yeah, it's wild. And this is a whole other podcast, but where my mind goes, it's just, 
that was wild to me how countercultural being present is, especially being in the body is. Mm. How it is seems to be truly threatening. And I guess for the people listening at, at home, one thing from my experience that I, I wish I had heard before starting things like this is at least for me, when I started getting present, whether through you know, psychedelics or through sexuality or through exercise or through embodied meditation or walking or yoga, what I first encountered was a lot of pain, actually, mm. a lot of stiffness, a lot of trauma, a lot of like sadness, a lot of emotion. So I just want to, before we wrap up, just to say that, that if you are interested in going down this path, don't judge yourself if what you hit first is the darkness. Um, I found that that needs to be kind of cleared out, processed through, danced through, I mean, whatever it is, until you can get to, you know, I think some of that like ecstatic love and, and joy um, that is there, right? I mean, it definitely is there. Mm. Yeah. So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks, I'm sure you'll be on a future episode. Can you let people know where they might find you? Yes. Um, I have a website, surahertzberg.com. Mark, you helped me design it. S U R A. H-E-R-T-Z-B-E-R-G.com. Um, and there you'll find links to a lot of my performance work, to my modeling work, um, and to my podcast, which is coming soon. Um, and you can get in touch with me in that way. Great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you again for the support that let us get renewed for a whole year. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, do all the socials. Really does help um, to continue to build the audience. If you got something out of this, if you could just share it with one or two people that you think would really benefit from it, that would do so much for this little show as we're kind of you know getting our wings and starting to fly. So thanks for joining us on From the Ashes, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.